0: The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast scenario presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today and bet $100 to get an extra $100 at sportsgampodcast.com slash winbet, thesportsgampodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. State restrictions apply. welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Scott Rochelle, once again going solo for this pod. It is currently Sunday, February 12th, and it is time to go through a couple of finals in men's tennis because we have three finals. We have uh, Montpierre, we have Dallas, and we also have Cordoba. So it should be a pretty fun overall Sunday. A lot of people focus on the Super Bowl, but before the Super Bowl, you do have... Some tennis matches, which should be quite entertaining, which I'm excited to go through. But before I get into any of the previews for those three matches, I do want to recap how we did yesterday. Ended up splitting the lock and the dog picks. Hit the lock with Baez, minus two and a half games, as he ended up beating Delian in straight sets. Then we lost the dog with Ramos, Vinolas and Coria over two and a half sets. Brutal beat there. Uh, we have Ramos, Vinolas serving out the second set. Uh, Coria rolled his ankle. It looked like Ramos was going to be able to win the second set, and we'd end up sweeping. Then he had two set points, and he choked him. And Coria eventually broke, and mentally Ramos was fried at that point, and he basically no-showed the tiebreaker. So Coria won in straight sets to burn our dog on the bright side. We at least have Coria to win the tournament at 14-1. to 1. So it could be worse, but either way, unfortunately, besides the, uh, the overall split, With the lost dog play, we also lost one of our outrights with J.J. Wolf, as we had him to win Dallas, and then he ended up losing that heartbreaker to Isner. He basically had five match points in the second set because he was up a set, and he had love forty against Isner's serve, and he had a couple of other break chances. And I can't even blame Wolf. Usually, when you get five break chances, you have at least have a rally. Where maybe he hits an unforced error and you lose the point. I think Isner went five for five on aces when facing break point in the second set. It was actually unbelievable how well Isner served in those moments. And Wolf couldn't get a racket on a ball. It really wasn't his fault. Isner was just hitting all the spots on a serve when facing serious adversity. So he had indirectly five match points in that Wolf match in the second set. And that didn't work out. Then it went to the third set, went to a tiebreak, and Wolf immediately imploded in the tiebreak, and Isner won the match. So, a bit unfortunate there, but if you look at the other plays that we gave out in terms of the leans on each match that we previewed, we actually did very well. And if you want to look at how those matches broke down, we didn't sweep the board or anything, but we definitely had a good overall day. We thought Coria would win against Ramos Vinolas. He did uh, by as we had as the lock we thought he would win in straight sets potentially and he did uh, we did lean to isner as an updated future play at plus 380 i thought that he was pretty live to beat wolf and he ended up beating him uh, i thought yibbing had a good life at plus three and a half games and plus money against fritz and yibbing won uh straight up in three sets uh nine for nine and breakpoint save. So Fritz had some chances. Yibing definitely kept his nerve, and he eventually wore down Fritz in route to a three-set win there. But I said pre-tournament, or I said, yeah, pre-tournament, that Yibing I thought would be a top-25 guy, uh, and he looks definitely better than a top-25 guy. He looks incredible, and I do think he could potentially push into the top-25 later this year. We'll see how he does, but... Winning Dallas helps, and we'll see how his matchup against Isner goes. He's actually a slight favorite in that match. But to go through Montpierre, uh, overall, we did well, and that's Warman as well. We thought Sinner would win in straight sets, and he did. And then we also thought that the over in the Rune and Cressy match was a solid play. We thought Cressy was also live on the game spread. I didn't think that Rune would lose, so I guess that was one of the things we got wrong, but... We did a lean to Cressy plus the games, and we also leaned to the over in the match, and that ended up working out. So if you go through every single match that we broke down, we had a really good day. The only issue was we didn't hit the dog because Ramos Fanolas choked away uh, the service game while he was serving for the second set to give us the sweep. But a good episode overall, and we'll have to keep it rolling here for the finals. Uh, But I do want to briefly... Uh, go through the odds in chronological order. So we're going to start off with the uh, Montpierre match between Sinner and Cressy. Looking at the actual spread and money line prices, center is minus three on the game spread with a little bit of juice to the over. The money line is minus 325. Over-under is around 22.5 or 23. Uh, and for the actual set wagering, center minus one-and-a-half sets is minus 120 and Cressy plus one nap sets is minus 110. If you want to bet on breaks of serve, the over-under in the entire match for both players combined is two and a half and minus 115 on each side. Center to break twice is minus 140. To break less than twice is plus 110, and Cressy to break serve a single time is minus 120, and no breaks for Cressy is uh, at minus 110. So they have played once before. Uh, They played back in, I believe, 2021, and Sinner did win that match. However, it did go three sets. And in the one tiebreaker in the second set, Cressy did win the breaker. But it was actually 2019. So I misspoke. They played in Lexington back in 2019. Does it mean anything? No. Sinner has really just become a serious force on the tour. And people might remember that initially when he was in Challenger events, etc. he was a little bit inconsistent. He wasn't definitely breezing through competition back then. But over the last couple of years in the ATP level, he's been amazing. And Cressy has been good. Serb and Volley game is still strong, especially on the fast, hard courts of Montpierre. But I think Sinner is a bad matchup for him. And I think that you kind of have to toss out the 2019 meeting because those players are just not the same guys that they were roughly four years ago. But Sinner has had no issues in this event whatsoever. He has not dropped a set. Uh, He has had a pretty easy go of it because he had a bye. Then Fuksovic got injured, so he had a over in the second round. But he beat Sonigo in straight sets, beat Philz in straight sets. Cressy has played a lot of tennis in this event because he's also made a deep run in doubles. So he has been on the court a lot. The bright side is that he's only dropped one set in singles, did drop uh, a set, and have to go to the 10-point uh, tiebreak system in his first doubles match in this event. But the point is he's been on the court a lot, and after playing that three-set war against Rune, he immediately had a doubles match right after it. Now, luckily for him, it was an easy match. Ended up winning the doubles match 6-1, 6-4. But I do have fatigue questions. And Sinner, we know fit he can be. The fact that he had that borderline six-hour match against Alcaraz in the U.S. Open. The fact that we've seen him, uh, well, to be honest, consistently lose five-set matches. But the point is he has definitely shown that he has the stamina to... Play a very, very long match if he needs to. It won't be the case in this one, obviously, because it's two out of three. But the point is, Cressy, I do wonder about the fatigue and the fact that Sinner is also relatively tall, I think is going to hurt Cressy because Cressy, once again, only serves in volleys. That's really his only thing that he's known for. And the issue with that is the fact that if you can get enough returns in play, you can definitely break Cressy, especially if his net game can be a little bit shaky at times. But Sinner, six foot two, we know how good of a returner he is. He constantly gets rackets on balls. And I do think that Sinner will force Cressy into hitting a lot of shots or a lot of follow-ups following the solid serve. So I'm not saying that Sinner's going to break him all the time, but I do think he can break him several times in this match. And the fact that the break count is at 1.5 juice to the over... Means that the odds makers agree with me that center should be able to provide pressure into several of Cressy's service games. I'm not sure I can say the same for Cressy. He really did not do anything in terms of returning against Rune, did enough to win the first set when Rune kind of blinked there at, uh, you know, and ended up losing that set 7 5. But Cressy in that match really did not apply much pressure to Rune's service games. He did enough in the tiebreaker in the third to get the job done but you're looking at the actual break points here and yeah Rune only faced two break points in the entire match and he let one go by the wayside but the point is Cressy did not do a great job of returning in yesterday's match he did enough he did not face a single break point though and I guess that's a concern that's the concern is that Cressy is going to serve so well that maybe Sinner Return game gets neutralized, but Cressy did have 10 double faults in that match. And when you're serving and volleying, sometimes when you're so focused on running to the net, your mechanics up top get a little bit messed up. And I do think Cressy will hand over a decent amount of free points to center in this spot, especially with center being able to apply constant pressure. But Renee and center, roughly the same size at six foot two. But I do think that Sinner's the better returner, and I do think that with Cressy's double-fault concerns, he might have some problems throughout the course of this match if Sinner is able to get enough returns in play. His first-serve percentage is also solid, as Cressy ended up hitting 74% of his first serves. For the uh, first-serve points, 88%, he was great. Second-serve points, though, only 54%. So I do think that Sinner could create some serious damage on Cressy's second serve if that first serve percentage drops, but I'm mostly just not banking on Cressy to serve roughly 75% uh, from the first serve in this match. I think if that number bumps down into the 60s, uh, he's going to end up losing this match pretty quickly, and I do think with the potential fatigue angle and maybe some nerves as well as he's in another ATP final, I just think that's going to be a serious problem for him as this match progresses. Now, for the actual spread, it's a little bit tricky at three because I do think center could win this match in two tiebreaks. And even with three, you're kind of banking on center to serve first in a set, and that way you can hope for a 6-3 set. But I feel like three is pretty sharp for where that number should be, so I'm not going to actually uh, make a case for the spread here. However, I am going to lean... To, um, Yeah, 23 is also pretty tough, because I'm going to lean to the under for 23, because I I do think that Sinner will win a set 6-4, or maybe 6-3, and I think there's a chance he breaks Cressy once in each set, excuse me, but the point is, I do think that you'll end up seeing a little bit of a difficult match at times, but I think Sinner is just such a better player that eventually he'll wear Cressy down and win this match. My favorite play in this match is going to be the minus-one-and-a-half sets for Sinner. I know Cressy did win a set in the first head-to-head meeting once again 2019, so I'm kind of tossing it in the garbage. But I think Sinner is just fully dialed in. If you've watched him in this event, he's looked incredibly sharp. And I do think that if Cressy is going to double fault roughly 10 times, and if Sinner is able to apply some pressure and to use his length to get some extra returns in play... I think that the unforced error count for Cressy is going to be relatively large. We've seen Sinner against good servers in the past, and he has fared quite well against them. I just think that Sinner is going to be able to do enough damage to get this job done in straight sets. If I had to pick an actual scoreline, I'd probably pick something along the lines of 7-6-6-4, give or take, but I will take Sinner in straight sets at minus 120. Now, moving on to the other matches here, uh, starting off with... We'll go in order here, so we're going to go with Dallas, uh, looking at that matchup between Isner and Yibbing. Yibbing is a favorite, which might surprise some people, but he's around minus 113 or minus 115 when if you shop around. Uh, but Isner is a slight dog. It's basically a pick'em. But the over-under in this match is 25.5, and for the game spread, it is Yibbing minus half a game at minus 105, while plus a half for Isner is minus 115 the other way. If you want to take some alternative totals, I don't know why you'd want to, Uh, but 24 and a half is minus 140. There's no value there. If you want to take over two and a half sets though, that is plus 115. So to go through my overall thoughts on how these players match up, I think Yibbing is definitely worthy of being a slight favorite based on how good he's been and the fact that he just beat Taylor Fritz. Now the issue with Isner is the fact that the movement in this event has not been great. And as a result, his returning has not been good. Now Yibbing isn't a great server, and Fritz did have nine break point chances. So Isner could potentially just unload on the forehand side against some second serves and maybe pick up some free winners, which is concerning. But if you look at how Yibbing has played in this event, the movement's great. He constantly moves players side to side. That's why he was able to beat Fritz. Kept moving him left to right to left to right, and I think that Isner with his lack of mobility at this stage in the tournament, is really going to have a hard time of winning rallies in this spot. Now, once again, if Isner can serve as well as he did against Wolf in high-pressure situations and just hit a bunch of aces, then Yibing's not going to stand a chance to break. But I do think that based on how these players have looked, I think Yibing has looked like the sharper guy throughout this event. So the question is, if it goes to Breakers. do I think Yibbing is a good enough server to avoid falling behind a mini-breaker too, and can Isner keep the first serve percentage up to get the job done here? This really does feel like a coin flip match, so I do understand why this line is where it is. I also get why Yibbing is favored. I think my favorite play in this match, though, would either be... I'm trying to think if I want the over 25.5, because... I'm I, I'm not sure if I'm going to see a 7-6 seven, 7-6 six, seven, six match, but I do think you could end up obviously seeing three sets. I think I'm going to take the over two and a half sets here. I see a bit of a marathon match. I think that Isner can serve well enough to win a set by breaker, and Gibbing also can be a bit vulnerable to serve. And I do think that Isner could maybe get a couple break point chances. I'm not sure if he's going to capitalize on many, but I do think he'll be able to maybe get a couple. And Yibbing should get a couple as well. I'm not sure how many, though. It really comes down to Isner's first serve percentage. I think if I was going to take Yibbing, I would actually prefer to take the game spread as opposed to the money line because I do think Yibbing could win a set 6-3 and then lose two sets via tie break and you win the game spread even if he loses the match. But I think Yibbing is really a solid player. I said before the tournament, once again, I thought he was top 25 caliber. And now I think all of you know why, because he's been this good in this event. But this match is really tricky to pick. Isner's going to have the home crowd behind him because he is American, of course, and this isn't Dallas. But I think I will simply put take the over. I think I'm going to see a marathon match, probably three sets. But I do think you'll end up seeing a battle. If you want to go for kind of an alternative over, you could take over 26 and a half games at plus 125, which I don't mind because you're looking at. Uh, nine games per set. So six, three for three sets, and you win. And you're assuming you'll get at least one tiebreak with Isner involved. So basically, 26 and a half games, the over is another way of betting two and a half sets, but you're getting an extra 10 cents of value. So I think my favorite play in this match would probably be the over 26 and a half games at plus 125. I really see a three setter here, and I think you're going to see a bit of a marathon, which is a bit of a common theme for some of the matches today because we're going to segue into Cordova. Of course, we have the long shot to, I don't want to say save our week, but to definitely give us a massively profitable week if Corey gets it done against Baez, because we got 14-1, to and it's nice to see him in the final, especially on home soil, uh, against a guy who's also on home soil with Baez. Now, Baez did cash us the spread bet with the lock against Delian. Did he look great in the match? not really decent amount of unforced errors for bias especially on the backhand side and i think coria could make bias run around the problem is coria in that ramos vanola's match was cruising for the most part and then he got injured he hurt his ankle uh, when ramos vanola's hit behind him he tried to quickly stop short and he rolled his ankle kind of like the zverev situation against nadal except the injuries were significantly less serious and coria was fine and it seemed like he was able to get back on track, which resulted in him breaking back at 5'6", and eventually winning the second set breaker. But there were a couple of points there where Korea's movement appeared compromised, and hopefully the basically day off is going to help him rest and recover with the ankle. But it is a bit concerning, especially when you're against a guy like Baez, who's going to make you work on the clay. Now, the serving, I think, has been fascinating for this tournament because Baez is 5'7". He's extremely short. His serving has been pretty hit or miss, but he occasionally hits bombs. He's had a couple of 130 serves, according to the Cordoba uh, actual speedometer. I don't know how accurate that is, but he has had a couple of big serves, but overall, Baez has been vulnerable with his serve. Corey has been very good serving. Now, he has had a couple of hiccups here and there. But the ace count's been high, and I do think Coria can pick up a couple of extra free points in this match with his aces. But to go through the odds here, Baez is minus 190 on the money line. Coria is plus 165 the other way. The spread is roughly 3. Coria plus 3 is minus 115. Baez minus 3 is minus 105. over unders is 22. Uh, if you want to take the set wagering here, over 2.5 sets is plus 135. Under two and a half sets is minus 165. For the aces, Coria is three and a half at minus 110 to the over. Baez is one and a half at minus 145 to the over. So once again, uh, you're expecting Coria to pick up a couple of more free points on the serve. The total aces over unders five and a half. The breaks of serve is where this match could get off the rails because the over under for both players combined is seven and a half breaks of serve. Minus 110 to the over, and the under is minus 120. At first glance, I have to lean to the under. Seven and a half serves is crazy, especially if you have a shot at getting straight sets. I can't take seven and a half. Now, it is possible you might get three breaks in the first set, and then if that pace continues, you have to avoid three. But seven and a half is really just a lot, and I think both guys are good enough with the serving. Coria can serve and volley a little bit and Baez kind of stands a bit far off the court. Coria does the same. I think you might see both players hold serve more often than you might think, but I do think at the end of the day you will see a couple of breaks per set. I just think 7.5 is a a little bit high. But either way, my thoughts for this matchup, I like the over. I think you're going to see a war. Once again, another surprising match where you have two clay experts and they have not faced each other ever in their careers, but... I think it's going to be a battle. I think based on what I've seen in this event, I think Corey has actually looked like the better player, at least the more consistent player up to this point. Baez looked pretty good against Delian. I didn't think he looked great. couple of unforced errors that you're not used to seeing from Baez. Delian just didn't really do much to uh, give himself any favors. We know Delian, my, the main reason why I took Baez, minus the, the two and a half games was the fact that Delian, I thought, was too conservative. I thought he didn't have enough firepower, and I thought that he would really just avoid doing much damage in the rallies, and that's exactly what happened. Delian was content with keeping the ball in play. Baez was able to kind of push him around a little bit, and Delian just wasn't able to match the firepower. I think Coria can. Coria is kind of similar to Delian, in a sense, where he does like to keep the ball in play. However, he is willing to go for a lot more, and I think he's able to potentially keep Baez off-balance throughout this match. Some of it will come down to the ankle, though, and I think that's going to be a bit of a concern. But Coria is 5'11", and Baez is 5'7". So you might end up seeing Coria push Baez around the court a little bit, or at least make Baez do some serious stretching on some of these balls to reach. But the point is, I think Coria is actually alive to win this match. Now, if you want to hedge it, I wouldn't blame you and I think you probably could hedge it for a guaranteed profit of maybe a unit or two. I would still ride most of it on Coria. I probably will have a play on Baez money line just to make sure we don't leave with nothing. If Coria loses, since it is to 14-1, you can afford to at least meet in the middle to some degree and at least secure some profit. You can bet four units on Baez. Assuming you have a one-unit bet on Coria, you can set it up if, if that's your... Uh, actual bet size, where you have four units on Baez money line. That way, if Baez wins, you make roughly a unit in change. Or, yeah, basically a unit in change, but if Coria wins, you still make ten units. I'd probably hedge somewhere along those lines, where you make less profit if Baez wins. So it's not a pure hedge, but I definitely would have something on Baez to win this match, because I am a bit concerned, if this will be a marathon, about Correa's ankle holding up for three hours. But I do think that Coria is quite alive to win this match. I think he's looked like arguably the better player in this venue, and I just think he looks very good, and I think that he's definitely got a great chance to win this match. I think 190 is a little bit rich. I think it should be closer, in my opinion, to minus 150. I think these players are very, very close. I like the over, though. I think you'll see a marathon, and I've mentioned this in the past when I previewed the tournament once again, that the history of the final here in Cordoba has been a long one in the sense that every single final since this tournament started in Argentina in 2019 has gone three sets. So you have seen every match go the distance. I think this will be a similar story. I think both players will have their moments. And I know most people are going to be watching the Super Bowl. There should be some overlap because this match starts at around 5 p.m. Eastern time. Super Bowl starts at around 6.30 And I said this might go three hours. So it might sound sacrilegious for an American like myself. I probably will be more interested in the tennis match than the actual Super Bowl early on. And I'm a big football fan, but I'm just not feeling it uh, this year. I I don't know what it is. I'm just not exactly sold on the matchup. I know these two teams are the best two teams in the league. But for whatever reason, it just hasn't connected with me. And uh, I've done a podcast or two on the Super Bowl. I'm still betting it, of course. But the point is... I don't know. I feel like this tennis match is going to be must-watch TV for me, and I'm probably going to be potentially rolling with multiple TVs, but I will have my main focus on this Baez-Coria match, also because I got a 14-1 to ticket, so that's going to be a big reason why I might be biased and be more focused on tennis, but I see a marathon here, and I do think this should be a bit of a coin flip match, but I think Baez should be a slight favorite because of the potential ankle concerns with Coria, and the fact that, historically speaking, Baez has been the more successful clay court player in terms of titles. But either way, I think we'll see a couple of real good matches in the Sunday card, and hopefully we make some money on them. But either way, time to transition over to the Lock and Dog segment. But before we get into the lock and dog seg- segment, going to have a quick word from our sponsors, WinBet is the official online sports book of the Sports game Podcast Network. WinBet is active in a bunch of states, and there are a ton of ways to win, including live betting and same game parlays, aka WinBets. Build your own bet. I mentioned before you got the suit, you got the big game coming up on Sunday, so if you want to do a same game parlay on the final NFL game of the year, uh, now's your chance because you're not going to be able to do it tomorrow. So either way. Uh, looking at the great promos, odds, and payouts that are happening right now at WinBet. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer, bet $100, and get an extra $100. Limited state availability. And, of course, if you hit the biggest long-shot parlay of the week, you get a $1,000 free credit. There's so much to choose from, and all I have to do is head over to the Sports Game Podcast Network uh, slash WinBet. So, then we send you the sportscamp podcast.com slash W I N N B E T. Offer subject to change terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where play through winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1 800 522 4700. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Time for the lock and dog segment. We got kind of robbed in the last episode in the semis of that dog. I really wanted that sweep. But as I said before, we had a good episode. But looking at The lock for this show, I'm going to go back to Montpierre, and I'm going to go with Sinner to win in straight sets at minus 120. Simply put, I just think Sinner's the much better player. And shout out to Cressy for having a good run here, and his game has translated very well to the hard courts in Montpierre. No offense to Rune either. I know Rune's a very good player. I think Sinner's better. I just think Sinner is going to be able to really make Cressy work in a lot of service games. The double faults won't help. Unfortunately, there's no double-fault prop available. I would have probably taken the over on Cressy. But I do think that Sinner will be able to win in straight sets. You might get a tiebreaker in there, uh, but I do think that Sinner will be able to just provide enough pressure and to use his pace on the forehand and backhand side to keep Cressy off balance. Cressy's still not a great player in terms of his overall strokes. However, the serve and volley volume is very strong. I just think Sinner's a good enough returner to eventually break through once or twice. And since the breaks of serve count here is minus 140 to the over, and Cressy is barely a favorite to break once in this match, tells me what I need to know. I think they'll just simply put a serious talent disparity here. Give me Sinner to win in straight sets and to win another championship or another ATP final at minus 120. And for the dog... I'm going to go back to it. I believe we're over on the two and a half set plays here in Cordoba, but I am going to go with the over two and a half sets in the Coria and Baez match. I really see a war here and we should have had three in that Coria match yesterday. But the point is, I think you're going to see both guys have their moments. The three set bet is four and zero in the final in Cordoba since 2019 We've seen constant ebbs and flows in clay match, especially between two very good clay court players, which these guys are. Plus 135, I think, is an absolute bargain. I think you're going to see a very competitive match. I'm not going to take the games count, though, uh, for the plus price. So you could take an alt line, but I do think it is possible that one player potentially punts a set or maybe you have a lopsided set and you're suddenly sweating it out a little bit. I'll take the two and a half uh, sets here at plus 135. I think Corea and Baez will be in a battle. I think it's basically a coin flip match, but I do think that you will see both players win a set and you will see a very, very long, potentially three plus hour match. I said we would get it in that Ramos Venolas match against Corea. And I believe the match was still two hours and 40 minutes, despite only being two sets. So I was right. We just didn't get the, the three sets. But the point is, I think you'll see a marathon. Give me the over two and a half sets there at plus 135. So once again, my lock for the show is going to be on Sinner to win in straight sets at minus 120 against Cressy. And I'm also going to take for my dog the over two and a half sets at plus 135 into the Correa and Baez match. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. We're we'll back once again, uh, probably tomorrow, for the previews of the other ATP matches coming up or tournaments coming up. We have a t- we have a tournament in Buenos Aires, we have a tournament in Delray Beach, and a tournament in Rotterdam. So once again, another three tournament week upcoming, which is going to be a lot of fun for us. Uh, but uh, either way, you can find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. Uh, you can also find me on the NBA Gambling Podcast, the NFL Gambling Podcast. Well, not so much the NFL podcast anymore because we've got the offseason coming up, but we might have a couple of offseason prop bets on destinations for players, etc. So maybe keep an eye on that. But either way, until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.